one which Paul brings up right at the start of his letter here, one which Jesus mentions quite often, one which the prophets foretold and spoke of. It's mentioned through scripture. And behind the gospel message is this backdrop of the judgment of God on every sinner. And it must be clearly spoken of and proclaimed because it will bring about an everlasting turn of events. The following is from Rack of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Reaching out with Rack Solid Hope in Rim Country, November 10th, 2019. 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 3 to 10. When Jason first heard the preaching of the gospel of Jesus, it took hold of his heart. He heard about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and it turned his life completely around. And you can imagine how Jason, when that, that new preacher came into town, was there every week. And that new preacher, as he shared Jesus, spoke about the things that Jason just grasped onto and loved. Jason had come to know his Savior. And even though that, that preacher that was new had only been in town for three weeks, you can be sure that Jason and all the other Christians at his church were looking forward to hearing more. Except not everybody was that excited about this new preacher. Some hated him and his message. Jason loved it so much that he had even invited the preacher to come and stay at his house. And Jason had that preacher and his companions with him. But when those who hated the message wanted to stop it, they stormed Jason's house with a mob and tried to find and stop that message and stop that preacher. When they couldn't find the preacher, they took Jason and dragged him out of his house and threw him before the local authorities. They charged him with harboring a dangerous man. And then Jason found, instead of letting that, that message being freely proclaimed from his church and letting others hear the gospel and have what he had, he found that his message was banned. His preacher was gone, had to leave town. And things became very difficult as he was, along with the other believers, persecuted. Imagine, this was, this was the last thing Jason expected when he heard this good news and thought he would, would, would share it with people. It was rather unexpected, a turnaround of events. I'm sure that the others didn't expect it either. Well, that man, Jason, he lived in ancient Thessalonica. His church was a synagogue. And that preacher that was new in town, that was the Apostle Paul. He had been there for only three weeks. But in that short time, people like Jason had come to hear the gospel message, loved it, supported it, wanted to spread it. But that persecution soon came. And so what we find this morning is we read about the Apostle Paul and his companions, Silas and Timothy, and they, they write to the church in Thessalonica regarding the things that have happened there, how they had to leave after such a short three weeks. But as Paul writes, he encourages them to help them to see that Yes, that might have seemed like an unexpected change of events, but that God was going to bring about an even greater turnaround of events. It would be a lasting turnaround. And so as we look at these words, we see the rest of the story for Jason, the Christians in Thessalonica, and for you and me. 
And we expect an everlasting, an eternal turnaround. See, Paul and his companions had encountered things like this before. In fact, they were constantly facing opposition and persecution. In the previous city, before he got to Thessalonica, Paul and Silas were flogged, publicly humiliated, and thrown into jail. They had to leave town. And then after only being at Thessalonica for a mere three weeks, they were driven out of town from there. And when they moved on to the next city, Athens, when Paul shared the message of Jesus and his death and resurrection, they were mocked, laughed at, and dismissed by many. Sure, a lot of people came to faith, like Jason and others, and they loved the gospel message of peace and forgiveness, but many also rejected it, turned against it, and opposed it. That's why when Paul writes to the Thessalonian Christians, he says, starting at chapter 1 here, verse 4, you face trials and are enduring. In verse 5, you are suffering. They knew that. That's why their preacher couldn't be with them. And they faced it each day. And they, of course, are not alone. Every faithful prophet Everyone who has testified about Jesus after this time has faced opposition. That's why Peter, when he writes his epistle, says to the scattered believers everywhere, don't be surprised that you are facing fiery trials as if though something strange were happening to you. It shouldn't be unexpected when a Christian who testifies about Jesus is opposed, persecuted, faces suffering. And you, you too. The more that you, like Jason, support the spread of the gospel, the more you can expect to find an angry mob coming to your door, trying to silence you and stop you. And maybe, maybe you won't have a, an angry mob dragging you out of your house and bringing you before the authorities, maybe not, but you will find opposition because behind all that is the devil seeking to silence that message which you hold and which you share, the gospel of Jesus. And the more you share it, don't be surprised. Don't find it unexpected when you find opposition. And there you find one of the, the greatest unexpected ironies of this world, that the more the love of God, the more forgiveness, and the more the message of the good news of Jesus is shared, the more hatred comes out to oppose it. The response to such goodness is hostility. The response to peace is harm. And the response to this good news is opposition. So how does Paul, how does he address the Thessalonian Christians as he writes his letter? How does he deal with their setbacks and their suffering? Well, he says what maybe you might not expect is found. Sure, they were suffering. Sure, they were facing opposition. But there was still growth. Not as much growth necessarily in numbers, but growth in faith. I'm going to take you to verse 3 and 4. He says, We ought to thank God for you because your faith is growing more and more. And your love for every one of you has increased even in all the faith, in all the trials and persecutions you're enduring. Your faith and your perseverance Who would have expected that? After Paul left, after a mere three weeks, 
that this body of believers, which knew of Jesus now, was growing in faith, increasing in love, even in their suffering and persecution. Paul could have focused on the negative. He could have looked at the setbacks and the trials, but he wasn't surprised by that. Rather, he focused on the work of God, that their faith would grow even in the face of trials and opposition. So how do you and I handle those setbacks? Maybe it could be easy for us to to focus on the negative, right? To see, well, so many members of my family, members of my community, even some from my own church family have turned against this message. And you could focus on the negative that some antagonist is causing trouble for you as you try to live your Christian life. Or you could lament the fact that many of those who ought to rejoice in the gospel are opposing it or maybe mocking it or dismissing it. And you might be unexpectedly taken off guard if you did not know this. Or you could, like the Apostle Paul and Jason and those he writes to, rejoice in what God is doing. That despite the opposition, despite the fact that half the town maybe doesn't follow Christ, there are those who are growing in faith and their love is increasing because of the gospel of Jesus. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is what God has done in this world and throughout time. That though the devil seeks to silence the gospel message, it still grows and his message still is spread and faith increases. And then Paul goes on to explain one of the biggest turnarounds that would take place, which many don't foresee. He says, First of all, pointing out that their endurance is evidence that God's just, they who are living up to their faith and holding on to Christ, he says, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. Now we see the the real turnaround. And give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. So instead of taking on themselves, dealing with this setback, Paul says, God's going to handle it. He's going to pay back. He's going to deal with the opposition. When? Well, may not happen in a way they expect. It says, he will do this. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction. This is an eternal turnaround. And shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and marveled at among those who have believed. Wow. Talk about a turnaround to come. The greatest turnaround yet to happen in history is this, what is mentioned here. God in his judgment will come. He will judge this world and all who rebelled against him and rejected his message and he will take everyone and he will send them to hell. And there, when he comes with his fiery judgment, they will be shut out from his presence and the goodness of God and they will face the curse of God forever in the torments of hell. And that will be an everlasting suffering. And I've had people say to me, Pastor Barthel, you, you seem like you're a Pretty gentle guy. I don't picture you as one of those fire and brimstone preachers. That's good. Because I love the gospel. 
And I'm sure that just as everybody, like Paul and others who, who share God's message, they love the gospel and they want the gospel to be proclaimed. But behind it all is the horrible, terrifying picture of judgment and of hell. One which Paul brings up right at the start of his letter here. One which Jesus mentions quite often. One which the prophets foretold and spoke of. It's mentioned through scripture. And behind the gospel message is this backdrop of the judgment of God on every sinner. And it must be clearly spoken of and proclaimed. Because it will bring about an everlasting turn of events. Those who have turned against God will be judged. When you look at this, there's terror. There's this idea of, what about me? Am I, am I going to stand in that judgment if I've rebelled against my God in any way? I've opposed him with my heart. But look what Paul says. On that day, he comes to be glorified in his holy people. Notice the Thessalonians, they're not mentioned as included. They would not be included with those who would be judged. They would not be included with those who would be shut out from God's presence forever and sent to hell. Rather, they are included as those who would marvel in his presence. They are included as those who are described here as his holy people, who would marvel at his coming with all believers. So we see what separates them from those who face the judgment. This turnaround of events is not something that they escaped because of their works. They were not holy because of their own righteous acts. They did not stand or would not stand in the coming judgment because of who they were during their life, but rather because of what they were in Christ. He says, through you who have believed, through faith in Jesus, the message that was proclaimed by Paul, the, the good news that Jason latched onto in faith, that's the message that the Thessalonians, Jason, you and I, and all who have believed hold on to. And proclaimed in that message is that Jesus did come. The first time he came, he came. And his angels did not come in fire and judgment, but when he came, they came to proclaim, today a Savior has been born. I bring you good news. Don't be afraid. Jesus came to this world first to rescue it from the curse and from the punishment of hell. As he himself was shut out from the presence of the Father in our place, as he himself took every rebellion and sin on the cross and suffered for us so that we could be called his holy people. And for his perfect life of following the will of our God, he credits it to you who believe. So you are called his holy people, his saints. So that when he returns through faith, you will stand. You are encountered among those who have believed. This message, Paul says, this includes you because you believed our testimony to you. And perhaps the, the greatest turnaround in history was the most unexpected. There's Jesus who was mocked, who was persecuted, who was crucified, died a horrible death in lowliness. But the greatest turnaround in history happened as he came out of the grave alive. The Jesus who died for us is our Lord Jesus, the living God. And he ascended into glory and he now holds all power and authority. And as the scriptures declare, he will come visibly with his holy angels. And our living Lord Jesus 
He is the one who we will see in faith and marvel at. This is the God who died for us. This is the God who now lives and brings us to marvel at his glory. The glory of a God who forgives and pardons his people. And that turnaround, when you are raised to life, will also be everlasting. We see many great turnarounds worked by our God. One that many do not expect. But I want you to expect the unexpected. So that during your life now, when you face those setbacks, when you find you share the gospel, you support the spread of the gospel, not just for three weeks, but year after year after year, and you're wondering, what does it serve? Why bother anymore? Instead of focusing, as we could, on the negative, to look at what God has done, caused faith to increase in his people, and look at the, the suffering and setback as it is now, but look to that great turnaround to come, that great turnaround of events which will be everlasting. And then like Paul, like Jason, like all the witnesses of Christ who have believed, support that message. Spread that good news. And look forward to more to come as you expect an everlasting, expect an eternal turnaround. Amen.